your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can hit me up on Twitter at make it a score Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. If you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join me this week to get in on the action. Spotify Greenroom, changing the way we talk sports. All right, we have a lot to get to today. So much going down in the last 24 hours. So the expansion draft is over, and Jared McCann was the player the Kraken took from Toronto. A pick that I thought made the most sense, to be quite honest with you. But also a lot of controversy over this one from a Maple Leafs perspective. So I'll give you my thoughts on that whole ordeal and why. I actually like what Dubas did and how he navigated the expansion process. We'll hear from him directly about his reasoning as to why he did this. Uh, He did some media today, so we'll hear from him. And I'll touch on the expansion a little bit as a whole and, and give my thoughts overall on how I think everything went and how the team is shaping up, but there are also a couple of deals that were made today that were interesting. Um, some some rumors about Zach Hyman potentially signing in a, a Western Canadian market. So it gets all that, but not too long ago, uh, the NHL schedule was actually dropped today. It was released, so let's talk about that first. Uh, so the season for the Maple Leafs starts on October 13th, Saturday. No, it's a Wednesday. Sorry. Wednesday, October 13th against the Montreal Canadiens. And then it ends April 29th against the Boston Bruins. So the 13th against the Canadiens at home at Scotiabank Arena. That's game one of the season. There is an Olympic break in there from February 7th to the 23rd. Now, it has not yet been decided about whether or not the players are going to go or not. So the schedule, there is a revised edition of the schedule. And if there is no deal made with the IOC, then things will change. And I imagine that that two-week period that they currently have right now, two in a little bit, will shrink and and maybe the season ends mid-April instead of the end of April and everything gets pushed uh, pushed around a little bit. We'll, we'll see what ends up happening, obviously. Uh, but as of now, the schedule that's been released, the schedule that's public, does have this Olympic break uh, February 7th to 23rd, which I think is fantastic, the fact that this means that they're legitimately... Uh, you know, negotiating it in good faith, like they said they would to the to the NHLPA. I wasn't so sure a couple of weeks ago, especially when I heard that um, they did the State of Union address ahead of the Stanley Cup Finals. Gary Bettman did not sound like they were close to going, and it almost seemed like actually they were 
kind of like if you read between the lines saying, look, we're not getting the answers that we need in a timely fashion. we got to make our schedule. I don't know if we're going to end up going. That's what it sounded like to me. That's what I pulled away from from the interview that he did uh, and the questions that were asked about this. But you know what? The fact that they they have publicly put up the schedule kind of signals to me that they're they're close, you know, and, and maybe it's actually more likely than not likely that the NHL players will end up going to the Olympics, which I've been wanting forever. I'm sure you guys have been wanting that. Uh, it's been too long, seven years, since we've had a best-on-best best tournament like that. And, I mean, to see, like, Connor McDavid, Mitch Marner, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon all on one team would just be fantastic, right? And then see, like, Matthews going up, uh, Matthews and, and Jack Eichel on Team USA, right? So I, I just... I can't wait. I really hope that they figure something out, but it is a positive sign that there is an Olympic break built into the schedule this year, which is interesting because they also have a um, an all-star break built into the schedule, which is something that they don't typically do if there is an Olympic year. So I don't know if this is a floating all-star. It doesn't seem like it because it's built in here, um, but... Yeah, uh, February 4th. So basically, I, I guess what this would mean is a, essentially like they would shut things down February 3rd, and then it's like the All-Stars on the 4th, and uh, the 3rd, the 4th, the 4th, the 5th, and then like the Olympic players go off to the Olympics, and then the NHLers go back. I, I, we're going to have to see um, how this all works out if there is Olympics. Let me check and see. Yeah, because the last game that the Leafs are scheduled to play is uh, February 1st in New Jersey, and then they don't play again until February 24th uh, against the Minnesota Wild. So I would assume that's what it's, what that's going to happen. They'll shut down for the All-Star break. They'll do the All-Star game, and then they go off to the Olympics. What is unclear is whether or not the players that are chosen to Olympic games, if they're still going to be uh if they're going to be, if it'll be necessary for them to play in the All Star Game, I, I, I mean, I, I don't see why you wouldn't, but it, uh, it'll be interesting to see if if that becomes a thing. But anyways, so that's uh, that is of note of the the schedule release. Two things that I thought were interesting, uh, but of note of Toronto's schedule specifically. 13 back-to-backs for the Maple Leafs this season, including the first two games of the year where they got Montreal on the 13th and then they got Ottawa on the 14th. Um, So 13 back-to-backs, which, you know, a a decent amount of back-to-back games. I wonder if this puts more pressure on Dubas to find a competent goalie to pair with Campbell. Like, if you know there's going to be that many back-to-backs this upcoming season, you know... Perhaps instead of hoping that Campbell can be, you know, a 60-40 guy, maybe if, if it's going to be that kind of condensed of a season where you know that there's a three-week period where there's no hockey and then there's, you know, already 13 back-to-backs, which means there's going to be a lot of condensed hockey, you know, whether you're playing uh, three games in five nights or whatever it is. I, you know, when it comes to the health of Jack Campbell, and we saw what happened to him this year when he got kind of exhausted a little bit. I don't know if if going into next season, I'm sure this summer he'll be working on his conditioning, but I just feel like seeing that many back-to-backs, it might put more pressure on them to get themselves a legitimate 
starting caliber goaltender to pair with Jack Campbell as opposed to a a backup who will maybe play, you know, 25 to 30. Maybe they're hoping to get a guy who can play 35 games and make it a 45, you know, 45 to 48 game and then a 35 or from your backup. So we'll see what ends up happening with the the goaltending market, but that's certainly something that uh, that will shape up over the next little bit. We'll be talking about that all next week once free agency um, gets going. I mean, we got the draft tomorrow too, uh, so there's tons of stuff to happen. By the way, um, I will be co-hosting the Locked On NHL draft coverage. We're doing a live stream with Ustream. It'll also be on YouTube. It'll be on Twitch. Uh, myself and Andrew Berkshire uh, will be doing that, so you can go check that out. I'll tweet it out on on all the socials, my own. Uh, it'll be on the Locked On NHL social. It'll be on Locked On Leafs. So if you are interested, we're going to be hosting that live stream show throughout the NHL draft. I believe we're starting at 7.45 Eastern time. So uh, cheap plug. But I'm going to go ahead and do it because this is my show and I can do what I want. Uh, all right. What else? Uh, what else about this schedule here? Right. So, yeah, 13 back to backs. Nine of the first 13 games are starting at home. So, nine of 13 at home in Toronto, which is a good thing, but they need to make sure that they win a lot of those games, right? Rack up those points early. And win a lot of your early games, right? Pick up those points at home when you're starting out, because usually that bill comes due at some point in the season. If you're on, you know, a big time home stretch where you're at home for nine of thirteen, usually you're going to be on the road for a long stretch at some point too. And the road stretch comes at a bad time. Literally, the final fifteen games of the season, ten of those fifteen, the Maple Leafs are going to be on the road. So it's going to be a tough stretch. The final couple weeks of the season, final month or so of the season for the Maple Leafs. Um, 10 of 15 going to be on the road. So, you know, you pick up those early wins, and then hopefully you pick up enough wins at the end. I mean, ideally you win all of the games, whether it's at home or it's on the road. But, you know, let's be honest. It is harder and to win games on the road outside of your home building than it is inside your home building. Just is what it is. Uh, so that is that is also something of note that I, I, I saw when taking a, a quick peek at this Toronto schedule. The first game against the Seattle Kraken will be in Seattle, and that will be December 19th. So if you are, are wanting to see the Maple Leafs take on the new expansion franchise and get a, a first glimpse at Jared McCann um, as he takes on his former team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, that will be December 19th. And then Connor McDavid coming to town on January 5th. So those are some kind of big dates, uh, I guess, for the Maple Leafs. So we start the season on October 13th against the Montreal Canadiens. It is night one of a back-to-back with the Ottawa Senators coming in on the 14th. This season ends on the 29th, and in between, you've got the first game against the Kraken on December 19th, and then Connor McDavid comes to town on January 5th. So I guess make sure you go out and you get yourselves the uh, the tickets to Jan 5 if you're hoping to see Connor McDavid live. I know you weren't able to do it. He was here, what, four times last year? Four or five times, and unable to uh, to get tickets because you couldn't go watch him play. So January 5th, the McDavid show comes to 
to Toronto. All right, we'll take a quick break, and when we get back, let's get into the expansion draft. Uh, we'll talk about Jeremy McCann and why it's not such a bad... Uh, it, it wasn't an awful thing that Kyle Dubas did. I actually think it was extremely shrewd and smart, and it's not... You know, nothing to, to, to castrate him for, which I'm seeing a lot of people do all over social media. I'll give you my thoughts on the expansion draft as a whole. And then also the reports of where Zach Hyman may be on his way to. Uh, we'll do all that and more when we come back on the Locked on Lease podcast. Welcome back to the Locked on Lease podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of this program. And just a reminder, we got daily shows for you the rest of the month of July. We got tons of stuff going on. Uh, we've, we just finished up the expansion draft, so that means that we got the NHL draft going down uh, either tomorrow. could be tonight if you're listening to this uh, Friday morning, which is possible. This is going to be a late release here with this one. But, uh, yeah, so that that's, you know, excited for that. We've got Tony Ferrari joining the show. Show uh, in in you know the, the draft preview podcast, which will be out Friday as well. So make sure that you get primed up and geared up for that by listening to that podcast. Uh, and then on the next week, you, you know we, we've got the post draft analysis on the Monday, and then we get into free agent talk, which begins uh, Tuesday because free agency is on. Wednesday, So, so much stuff going on um, over the next couple of days here. Less than a week until, uh, you know, to fit all of that content in. But I'm doing my best here. Doing my best here on Locked on Leafs. But just make sure that you're... They're subscribed and getting that uh, getting that daily Leafs coverage from myself and uh, you know the the various guests that I bring along to chat as well. Okay, let's get to this expansion draft here. So the Leafs lost Jared McCann to Pittsburgh. So a lot of people rather upset about that because well the Leafs went out and they made a deal to acquire Jared McCann just mere days from him getting selected by Seattle. So they say, well, what was the point of all that? Look, the, the the point was not necessarily to keep Kerfoot. And that's why, like, there's a lot of people who say, like, oh, you know, lose Kerfoot, lose Kerfoot. Like, Kerfoot's a much better, uh, or uh, McCann's a better player than Kerfoot. So you, you, you kept all these guys to try and keep Kerfoot on your team. Like, McCann's better. Anyway. That's not what happened. At the end of the day, actually, you know what? I'm not even. I'm not even going to to explain it. I'm going to let Kyle Dubas explain it for himself because he was on. Uh, he he did the media rounds today. He did overdrive. He did you know a bunch of of media, and he was talking about what exactly went into his decision to go with four defensemen. Four forwards, thus leaving Alex Kerfoot and Jared McCann exposed, and why he would be able to live with the fact that Jared McCann got claimed if that indeed were to end up being the case, which obviously we now found out that it was. But here is Dubas on his approach to the expansion draft. Uh, could we leave Hall exposed and expect for him to go unselected? And if he were selected, uh, could we expect? Uh, to replace him and what he brings at the cap hit that uh, that he plays for, and our determination was that no, we could not. So then we went through the rest of our process and and tried to determine who they would likely take um, if we went four and four, and then could we replace that player? 
and what was going to be the best way to, to go about that free agency. And, and then eventually um, the opportunity came along to add another player in trade who we knew may be of interest and then really force Seattle into pick between one of our two players. And so if we got out from uh, expansion, having given up a late, a very late pick and, and a prospect, that would be a good outcome for us. If Seattle were to take another forward, we would have him can. Uh, as a replacement, and um, and then be able to proceed from there. So- Look, I, that was my exact reasoning the other day when this trade went down. I said, even if Jared McCann gets scooped up, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world, right? Like, it's it's not bad, because basically it just meant that you were giving up, um, you were just giving up Philip Hollander at a seventh. Oh, you can't look at it that way. you got to look at it separately. Not really, because the only reason why McCann was available for trade was because he was going to get selected by Pittsburgh in the expansion draft anyways. So Pittsburgh was like, sure, if it wasn't for the expansion, you wouldn't have had McCann. So, you, you, you I mean, it's, it's not that you can really separate the two, right? Plus, look at it the way that he did. This was a, a, a way to keep Justin Hall. And a lot of people say, oh, it's a 29-year-old defender. Were they really going to take Justin Hall? Look at the type of players who they went out and they they kept. It didn't seem like Justin Hall would have fit their criteria. Maybe not, but he certainly has value around the league, which means they could have selected him to flip him. A $2 million right-hand defenseman who could kill penalties and can play in a top four. Is he like a traditional top four? Could he be a top four guy in every team? Maybe not. Probably not. But he can, and he's still a pretty good player. There is value to those people, and they would have definitely selected him. And like Dubas said, they weighed the pros and cons, and they said, look, if they selected Hall, can we replace that at the same value that we have Hall at, at the $2 million mark? Because let's face it, look, he's made his bed, and he's lying in it. He knows that he's in a cap crunch because he gave too much money to to Marner, gave too much money to Tavares, to, you know, everybody, right? Like, all of the big four signed big, large contracts. Willie's turned out to, to be a decent deal, it looks like. But anyways, so because of that, Justin Hall only making $2 million is actually, like, way more valuable to the Maple Leafs, than Jared McCann. And Jared McCann wasn't necessarily on this team. So when you look at it, what did they lose? Every every team had to lose one player, right? That's it. Every team lost one player to the expansion draft. The Maple Leafs lost nobody from their roster. They trade away Philip Hollander and a seventh-round pick and got Jared McCann so that they could protect the rest of the guys on their roster. Would I have rather Jared McCann stick around over Kerfoot? Yes, I think McCann is a better player than Alex Kerfoot. But that wasn't an option. And like you said, if they decided to go with with another player, if they decided to go with Dermott, then they had McCann and Kerfoot. Or if they decided to take Kerfoot, they still had McCann. He was okay with that. This was really just an insurance move to make sure that he didn't lose a roster spot, right? I get it, and it makes sense. Plus, there's not enough people talking about this. If he would have went 7-3-1 and one and exposed Justin Hall and he's gone, right? They select him, which I believe they would have. 
He's the lone right shot defenseman on this team. Now that Bogosian's gone, assuming that he's not coming back, he is the only natural right shot defenseman. And I'm going to assume that Dermott is going to factor into this team and factor into his lineup on a daily basis, along with Rasmus Sandin. So if you look at it, you've got Riley and Brody, both left on the top unit. You've got Muzzin, who's a left-hand shot. And they've got Justin Hole, who's a right-hand shot. But then you've got on the on your bottom pairing, Sandine and Dermott, both lefties. I get it. Dermott can play the right side, and he probably will this upcoming season. But do you really want to go into next year with zero right-handed defensemen? Especially one that could play your top four. Especially when and, and and he talked about this earlier in the uh, earlier in the in the interview as well. He said, "Look, we knew what the draft was shaping up. We we had a feeling that they were going to take Alexiak. We had a feeling they were going to take um, Adam Larson, who were two guys who potentially could have been Justin Hall replacements in free agency. And if he knew that they were going to be gone, which it, it seemed like he had an inkling that was going to be the case, then yes, of course you protect Justin Hall because now you know free agency is not going to have much out there, and we're not we're going to have to pay even." more to get a top four guy in the trade route. So I think what Kyle Dubas did was smart. At the end of the day, and you can choose to look at it however you want, that's fine, but at the end of the day, the team only lost Philip Hollander and a seventh round pick. That's it. Uh... My thoughts on the rest of the expansion draft. Overall, uh, extremely underwhelming, to be honest. Kind of stunk that uh, all the insiders spoiled all the the spoiled the entire draft. But I mean, whatever. They, they've got jobs to do. That's that's totally cool. I, you know, I I, I still watch the show, um, which Marshawn Lynch stole the show with uh, that boy boy Cali though. And I, hopefully you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, maybe I can find it here for you guys because it was so funny. Actually, I, I, I have it here. So he made his pick. If, if you missed it and you didn't get to watch it last night, I'm sure you saw it on social media. But Marshawn Lynch, who's a, a running back for the Seattle, uh, Seattle uh, Seahawks. Don't know why I was blanking there. Or former running back for the Seahawks. But a Seattle legend, absolute legend, and he announced the Nashville Predators pick, and this is this is how he did it. And I mean, we all know there's some really tough names in the NHL with all the Europeans who play in the league, so we, we can forgive Marshawn. But here it is; it's absolutely hilarious. This the first pick, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, with the first pick, we're going with the boy, boy Cali, though. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yup, Cali Yarnfro. Cali Yarnko. You just heard it. Cali Yarnko. That boy, boy Cali, though. I loved it. I'm, I'm going to get a crack. If I ever get a Kraken jersey, which I probably won't, but if I ever get a Kraken jersey, it, on the back, it's saying that boy, boy Cali, though. I, absolutely. Or that boy, boy Cali. Absolutely, I'm getting that done. Beast Mode needs to go out, and he's got to print some T-shirts with that saying, with like a little Beast Mode logo on it, um, and sell those in Seattle. Or the Kraken need to sell those as part of their merch. Like I, sw- I would buy, I, I buy a jersey. I would do it. I buy a, a Cali, uh, Cali Yarn Croak jersey if it said 
that boy boy Cali on the back. I would buy it in a heartbeat. So I hope that they have some fun with that and they end up kind of doing some sort of uh, merch line with 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 Beast Mode and Cali Yard Croak or something. I, I hope that this wasn't just like a, a one and done type thing and uh, we could see some more collaborations with those two because that was that was funny and uh, it deserves to be relived and maybe some sort of bromance could come uh, come of it. Um, but as far as uh, the the other names picked outside of Cali Yarncroke, um, yeah, underwhelming, right? None of those big names got picked. They didn't go Carey Price. They didn't go Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, it's just it, it was a very underwhelming draft. You know, the big names I guess were Yanni Gord and. Jordan Everly, but like even like Everly, like 31 years old, not quite what he used to be. You know, very, very underwhelming. And no moves were made either, which was confusing. Because if you recall last time, Vegas made 10 moves prior to the expansion to make sure that they collected all these picks and prospects and they harvested a haul all around the league. And that's really what set them up for success. The league learned from the first time around, and they didn't only not negotiate with Seattle to protect themselves, but they used other teams league-wide and didn't allow Seattle to hoard any picks or assets, right? Like Toronto, for example, um, inst- instead of saying, like, hey, don't take uh, don't take Justin Hall. We're gonna protect all of our guys, but like, don't take Justin Hall, and we'll give you uh, we'll give you um, well. Let's say they use the the exact same return. We'll give you Philip Hollander in a seventh round pick, but don't take Justin Hall. Instead, they said, "Nah, we're actually not going to set them up with multiple picks and assets and players. We're just gonna make a trade with another team, and they can take whatever whatever player they want, but they're not getting those additional picks and assets like Seattle did." So I thought that was really interesting. And like even even Dallas, I remember like one of the bigger trades too was Dallas um trading away Jason Dickinson for a third round pick to the Vancouver Canucks instead of getting, you know, a third rounder from Dallas for Se- for Seattle to not protect him. They were like, "No, nah, we're just going to trade him away to another team and and you know, we'll do it that way." So there was there was side deals that were made, but none of them included Seattle, which I found interesting. But what what I found, but but was weird though about it was Seattle like didn't call anybody's bluff because even after they decided not to make any moves with anyone to say, okay, we're not going to take Tarasenko, but you're going to give us this. We're not going to take Carey Price, but we want a second round pick in return, or we're not going to take uh, this player. We actually want this uh, instead uh, if you want us to do that. And apparently, no, none were made. So Seattle didn't call anyone's bluff either, so no trades were made, yet they still didn't go out and take those big guys. They didn't go out and get a Tarasenko. They didn't go out and get the, you know, the carry prices and some of these guys that would have made just a little bit more sense. Like Nikita, Nikita Zadorov. They didn't go out and get Zadorov from Chicago. Instead, they opted to go with John Quenville, who's a pending UFA, who they, I don't know, probably won't sign. It just didn't make any sense. Like, at first, you look at it, you're like, what? And then you think about, oh, there must be a side deal. And then no side deal came down. It was just bizarre, the drafting, the team that they made. Um, I don't know, man. Here's the thing, though. Like, Jared McCann, I'll say this. 
Leaf fans are going to be so upset because they're probably going to see him go off next year because he's most likely going to be a, a top-line winger with this team alongside Everly and Yanni Gord. He's going to get the minutes and the power play time to put up points. Um, he's probably going to go off, and then that's going to make a lot of Toronto fans, you guys, just remember that he may not have done that elsewhere. And this is more of like a, a William Carlson, Jonathan Marcheseau type deal where it's like, okay, he only in this setting where he has this opportunity has he been able to do this because he, you know, wasn't really doing any of that before, right? So just bear in mind that if you see Jared McCann go off and you're going to be mad because the Leafs didn't make a side deal to protect him, just, you know, don't be so upset about it. <laughs> At the end of the day, just don't be. <laughs> that's, that's all I can say. Uh, all right. Um, also, current odds at betonline.ag. So they were at plus 10,000 before uh, the expansion lists were announced. And then they were announced, and then it went all the way up to plus 2,500, which was tied with, like, the Montreal Canadiens in Stanley Cup odds. And that was when, you know, they thought that guys like Tarasenko and, and Carey Price and all that who were available, JVR, uh, Voracek, all those guys were available but didn't get selected, right? Yet they still sit at plus 2,500. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if they they just haven't gotten around to changing it yet, but, uh, yeah, I wouldn't make that bet anymore. That uh, that is That's throwing away your money because this is not a Stanley Cup team. And I, I know I've heard a lot of uh, people say, yeah, they're not a Stanley Cup team, but you said the same thing about about Las Vegas. And, like, you look at their actual draft, it was also not great. But, again, Las Vegas made 10 trades additionally to the players that they drafted to bring in alternative assets that helped them shape them into the team that they became. Right? So, you know, not quite the same thing. And And... Listen, the league and the GMs give them full credit. Full credit. They did not want to look like fools again. Right? Shame me. Uh, no, what's what's the old uh, the old expression? Shame me once. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. So no one wanted to get fooled again. And they did not. Not one GM made a bad mistake well, I guess technically we don't know that yet. I suppose Karsten Twarniski could turn out to be, you know, a 40-goal scorer or whatever. And although there's plenty Maple Leafs fans out there that think they made the wrong decision by uh, by allowing them to take McCann over, like, a Justin Hall. But, hey, to each their own, I guess there there are some potentially controversial moves that were made by some GMs. But for the most part, I don't think, uh, I don't think there was a... Alex Tuck or a a Shea Theodore uh, that was traded to them in order for them to to select other contracts. So uh, that that's all I meant by that. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, and like I said, the first time that we'll be able to to watch them play the Toronto Maple Leafs is going to be December nineteenth in Seattle. 
All right, we'll take one more quick break, and when we come back, uh, some Zach Hyman news has been percolating throughout the day, so I'll get you updated on that. And also, um, a goalie trade went down today between the Canes and the Wings, and my question is, why weren't the Leafs in on something like this? I'll explain it when I come back here on the Locked on Leafs podcast. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. The NHL playoffs are in full swing, and you can track all the action at betonline.ag. Get all the latest news, odds, and info on your sports needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC, MMA action, and more. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign in today. Use a promo code locked on and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on for 50% off your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Hey guys, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, the host of the Locked on Leafs show, uh, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. So, Zach Hyman, um, pretty much one foot out the door at this point. About a week ago, he was uh, said to, or, or Kyle Dubas told his agent that he could go and talk to other teams, right? He could start negotiating talk to some other teams and maybe if they come up with uh, you know some team wants an 8 year deal they could do some sort of sign and trade and um you know the least could could get an asset back in return well apparently that may have worked because Darren Dreger was reporting that Zach Hyman is in talks right now with the Edmonton Oilers and there was a report that he was in Edmonton yesterday personally so i mean that's pretty if you're if you're going out to Edmonton to meet with the brass there, you're probably pretty close to, to getting something uh, worked out there. But City could get somewhere in the eight-year north of $40 million range. And the numbers that have now been thrown out was about eight years at $5 million, which would be $40 million, or seven years at $5.5 million, which I think comes out to a little bit cheaper than that at uh, $38.5 million, I think. Um on a seven-year deal. So those are the two reported figures that are being tossed Zach Hyman's way right now. And clearly that's that's too much for the Leafs. They cannot even come close to to doing that. There was, I guess, a, a possibility that if the Leafs matched what the Oilers were giving Hyman, that, they were, that he was going to come back. But the Leafs can't even get anywhere close to $5.5 million or $5 million on an eight-year term. And I think it is, honestly. It, it might even... Eight years is a lot for a 29-year-old with multiple injuries, including you know, a pretty significant knee injury as well. So, I mean, if that's the market for him, eight years, roughly $5 million, Bye. Good luck. I wish nothing but success for you and your family. You know, Zach was a, a fantastic Maple Leaf. I wish that, it, it you know, the money was there to pay him that type of, of cash because he deserves it. But unfortunately, it just doesn't work with the Leafs cap system. That is something you can blame Dubas for. 
right? <laughs> you know, I'm not a total Dubas lover. I, I, not everything he does is, is you know, the best, right? I think I'm pretty fair here. You know, I like to credit. I like to give him credit where it's due. I, I think what he did to protect his assets in the expansion draft was pretty good. It was, you know, they didn't really give up much. But also, I can acknowledge that what he did a few years ago and the contracts that he's handed out to his big stars have also really handcuffed him right now. And they're just too much money. And the way that this whole cap is structured. And I mean, somewhat. I suppose no one expected a a, uh, a pandemic to hit and flatten the cap for a few years, which certainly doesn't help. But I, I mean, clearly, uh, those were mistakes. Giving up that much money to those players, mistakes. Not great roster building. Not great cap structuring at the very least. But anyway, so. If there is an eight-year deal that is apparently agreed upon with Hyman and the Oilers, um, the only way to get an eighth year would be through a sign-and-trade, which means Toronto would be able to pick up an asset. I don't know what exactly they would get, like maybe a, a, a third or fourth round pick, and with the Leafs being very uh, pick-deficient with only three picks this year and next, that would definitely help. Uh, so perhaps, whatever, you're getting a free pick for a guy who's walking out the door anyways. It makes sense. And then for Edmonton, you, you've secured that player um, on the eight-year deal, which is something that maybe some teams aren't willing to do. And the only reason why you're getting him is because of that eighth year. But the only way to get that is to give up a fourth-rounder to Toronto. So that is why you would do it from Ottawa's or from Edmonton's perspective. Because I know you're going to be the same people are going to say, oh, you can just wait four days and then won't have to give up anything. Why not? Well, because you can't get that eighth year, and maybe it's that eighth year is where Zach Hyman is, uh, is, is you know, the Oilers are the only team willing to go that far, why Hyman is willing to go to the Oilers um, for that year, and that's the kicker. But I, I'm not in these discussions, clearly, but I would only assume that that would be the reason why the Oilers are willing to give up an asset to get them. They, they believe that that eighth year is quite crucial in negotiations uh, for landing Zach Hyman. Uh, another deal that uh, did go down today that wasn't just reported and rumored, but did happen. The Carolina Hurricanes gave up Alex Nedeljkovic to the Detroit Red Wings for a third-round pick and the rights to Jonathan Bernier. Yeah, Alex Nedeljkovic, the Calder Cup-nominated rookie goaltender who had like a sub-two goals against and a 930 save percentage. I don't understand why Carolina was so quick to give up on this guy and like pull the trigger. Like I wonder what happened there. Um I did read that it seemed like there was like it was a, he asked for a change of scenery. I guess his his wife or his partner or girlfriend whatever is from the Detroit area and that was a preferred destination. So if Carolina couldn't meet his contract demands, that was somewhere where he preferred to go and what is confusing is the fact that he signed two-year extension for just $3 million in Detroit. And apparently the report is that Nedeljkovic was asking three and a half from Carolina. Why the heck don't you pay that guy $3.5 million? I understand it was like a 23-game sample size. This guy's played less than 30 NHL games in his career. This was a, a, a you know an admiration. This was a breakout season. You know, very Jordan Bennington-esque. But I mean... It's worth the risk, in my opinion. 
Because if this is what he is, I mean, three and a half million on a two, three year deal is a home run. I don't get it, man. I, if Detroit fleeced him. Because if Nedeljkovic is indeed a starting caliber goaltender, they picked up a 25-year-old goalie for a third-round pick and the rights to someone they weren't going to sign anyway. So basically a third-round pick for a 25-year-old goalie coming off a rookie of the year type campaign where he put up Vesna-like numbers in the 23 games that he played, including uh, actually as well as playoff games. It, it it's a head scratcher from a Carolina perspective. If you're Detroit, you got a home run. It looks like, and it was funny. There was a they were asking Steve Eiserman why Carolina, you know, did this deal. Like, why were they comfortable giving up Nadelkovic for a third round pick? And his response was, I don't know. You're gonna have to ask Carolina why they were comfortable doing that. Because I think like even he was caught off guard. It's like. Only a third. That's uh, okay. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, I'll, I'll call the league office myself and let them know that that, that it's going down. <laughs> the question is, could the Leafs have gotten in on something like this? And I know it's. I said that his wife was from the Detroit area, but I mean Detroit's not that far from Toronto. A B. Um, I don't even know if that really was what facilitated this trade. That was just, I guess, there was an Instagram post that his his girlfriend or wife posted, and that's where people are jumping to conclusions, like, oh, he must have wanted to go to, to, to Detroit, and that's why he took a little bit less than what he was asking for from Carolina, and, and this was more of a, a good-faith deal made by, by the Hurricanes to move him to a place where he'd like to be. But honestly, I... I <laughs> Maybe the Leafs could have done something. I don't even know if, if Dubis inquired. Like, I didn't even think this was a possibility, right? The guy just came off of a, a Rookie of the Year campaign. I know he didn't win, but, like, you know what I mean, nomination. I, I, I was shocked when I saw that that trade came down. And I just hope that Dubis was kind of on top of it and at least inquired. At least inquired. Because you'd have to think. I mean, they're probably not going to re-sign Jonathan Bernier. But Fred Anderson has been linked to Carolina in the past. What if you paired up Anderson and a pick? I know there's not many picks to go around in, in Toronto, but you, know, you pair up Anderson and a pick to go get Nadelkovic. You think that, that, I mean, that probably may have got something done? I mean, I would have given up a second. Anderson and a second for Nadelkovic? Hello. Gone with a Nadelkovic and, and Jack Campbell tandem, considering he only wanted $3 million. Now you've got both of your goalies locked up this season at, uh, what would that be, 4.65? Love it. Thanks. But unfortunately, didn't happen. But is there another goalie that maybe the Leafs have their eye on? You got to assume. Because like I said, goaltender at this point, they need a winger, a top six winger, and a goaltender. Those are the two big holes that I think they still have in their lineup, and Dubas has about $9 million to do it. So we'll see what he's got up his sleeve. But uh, maybe there's a move to be made at the draft. Perhaps. 
That's going to do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked on These podcasts on all podcast platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked on Leafs. And uh, just a reminder, I will be back with another episode tomorrow. I am joined by Tony Ferrari, our scouting expert, and he will be teeing up everything about the 2021 NHL entry draft. It's a, a full-on preview. It's about 45 minutes. Minutes. Uh, we also get into perhaps some of the players that might be available for the Maple Leafs at pick number 58 as well. So you'll definitely want to listen to that tomorrow. And if you're listening to this on Friday, it'll be coming out basically around the same time. So make sure that you listen to this, uh, the Tony Ferrari episode Friday. Uh, and then we'll get into uh, some more stuff that goes on through the draft through the weekend on Monday because I'm sure uh, – there's going to be a lot of fireworks over the next few days as everything is coming quick. Uh, and then we got free agency next Wednesday as well. So lots of stuff to get into here on the Lockdown Lease podcast over the next week. I can't wait. It's going to be a fun, fun week here on the pod. So make sure you're subscribed and you don't miss a moment. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for me here today. Again, check back here tomorrow for another pod. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked On Leafs.